0: What is up, everyone? Hope everybody's having a good start to their week. Today is Tuesday, December 11th. I am Jack Bushman. Unfortunately, Moneybags Hurt will not be joining me on the podcast today. I will be going solo, and unfortunately, the narrative continues for the Chicago Blackhawks. We last talked a little less than a week ago, and the Blackhawks have played three games since then, and big surprise, all three resulted in Blackhawks' losses. We saw a lot of the same things continue to bite the Blackhawks that they have done throughout these past 21 games. The losses are really piling up right now, and the Hawks have lost 7 in a row to put their record at 9-17-5, which has gotten out of hand really fast. If Alex Dobrynka did not score with .8 seconds left in Florida about two and a half weeks ago, Hawks would be on a 10-game losing streak right now. Still, they have lost 9 of 10. They have won three games since October 25th, They have won three out of their last 21 games. This has just gotten absolutely ridiculous. The name of the last episode was Rock Bottom, but somehow the Blackhawks are managing to make it worse. It's going downhill really fast here. They have not scored the first goal in 10 games in a row now. And they went down 2-0 in the first period in all three games since we last talked. It's a huge disaster in Chicago right now, and it's crazy to think that Joe Quenville was the problem for the Chicago Blackhawks. Jeremy Colleton's record currently stands at 3-12-2, not getting the job done, and it's frustrating for everybody. Everybody's job is on the line right now. Not really Colleton, but everyone in the front office for sure. I'm not sure how the Blackhawks' roster is going to look post-trade deadline, but something has to change for sure here because this is just getting flat-out embarrassing. This is the Chicago Blackhawks we were talking about. Not some small market team that has a hard time getting big name free agents. This is Chicago Blackhawks that just a year ago at this time was still considered in many eyes a dynasty. Corey Crawford was not hurt yet. Corey Crawford going down right before Christmas last year changed everything. Winning sweeps all the problems under the rug and losing brings all those flaws right out to the spotlight. It's incredibly easy to notice the shift in Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook's game just from last season to this season. They're starting to play minutes they have not seen in 10-plus seasons. We have no choice but to play shaky defensemen nightly because of rosters we are dealt with. Ruda and Manning are both arguably 6th and 7th defensemen, and they're playing a lot of time along with Eric Gustafson to cut into Keith and Seabrook's minutes. thank God for the Blackhawks, Connor Murphy is back, and apparently the rumor right now with Murphy being back is they will take anything they can get For Jan Ruta or Brandon Manning, two guys who have been dumpster fire defensemen for the Hawks this season, and moving in direction is something I would highly suggest for both players, but the trouble is with both of those players' contracts, I'm not really sure who's going to be willing to take them on for uh, what they've seen from them this season, and also uh, if the Blackhawks do trade them, it could cost them a potential draft pick or young prospect, so... I highly doubt we get anything significant in return for those two defensemen. Uh, Every night, the defense is nowhere near good enough, and I know I speak for the thousands of Blackhawks fans when I say I'm sick of watching the same hockey that's going on for almost two months now. Something needs to change, and it needs to happen fast. I, I really believe at this point all the expendables need to be moved. Guys like Ruta... Manning, You got to do what you got to do, but we can't give up too much if we're going to move them. Chris Kunitz needs to be moved. He's someone that I feel like just hasn't fit in the system and could potentially help out, you know, maybe like the Penguins go and get him back again for something cheap. I know they're up against the cap, but someone competitive like that. And I know well it may not be easy to move Marcus Kruger, he's making an awful lot of money to have no assists so far this season and a career-low face-off percentage there's any contending team willing to take him on for a fourth line role because he is a free agent after the season you have to take it this team needs to change its image really fast because they're the laughing stock of the league right now currently in last place reminiscing of the early 2000s so this is just not an acceptable brand of hockey to be playing we've been just saying it for too long now and it's not really like the losing part that i'm sick of it's just how we do it every night how we get down one or two goals in the first period every night. How the defense allows the opponents to walk to the slot with ease and stuff home easy rebounds every night and how we just can never seem to take advantage of momentum and strike when we need it the most on the power play every single night and we saw it in all three of these games this past week so now taking a look back to last Wednesday and Thursday the Hawks had tough back-to-back games on the road against Anaheim and Las Vegas both games we saw the Hawks go down two nothing in the first period as in Anaheim Brandon Montour and Daniel Sprong had themselves a pair of first period snipes 20 seconds apart from each other so continues the uh, narrative that when one comes the second one's going to come soon after for the Blackhawks this year not really terrible defense on either but We did see both Seabrook and Manning caught in no man's land while Ricard Raquel screened Corey Crawford and took away any chance of him seeing the puck. Uh, Corey Crawford kind of had a tough game against Anaheim. The strong goal was a crazy snipe, but probably a goal he shouldn't have allowed. And Kasha, it it was a tough shot down the the, uh, right wing, but he needed to come up and make that save considering it was a 2-2 game in the third period and we needed... Crawford to bail us out. I know that's tough to say because he's done it so many times this year, but it was, uh, it was kind of one of the tougher nights I could say for Crawford, which is tough to say because he only allowed three goals, but so, Steve's, you know, looking at that first goal again. Brent Seabrook wanders himself out to cover nobody, fails to block the shot. He is ninth in the NHL in blocked shots currently, but he fails to pick up Raquel in front of the net and fails to block the shot, so he's pretty much ineffective on the play. one nothing Ducks just six minutes in. And then, you know, I, I just, it just confuses me because I do not see how the Blackhawks expect the narrative to change when they continue to play the same ways that burn them, night in, night out. It makes me question the determination of Keith and Steve, who are playing in their a thousandth game tonight. By the way, congratulations to those two guys and everything. You know, they've done for this team. It's tough when uh, we're on such a losing streak right now too. That really appreciate what they've done in the past, but you need to be grateful for what they've done for this team for so many years. And we wouldn't have been able to have the success that we did without those two guys. So it's really tough for me to critique them because I don't like getting on their cases because, you know, they're guys that have done so much for this franchise and had created the best, some of the best memories in my life. So it's tough to get on those guys. But, you know, at this point of the season, when we're losing, you know, 18 to 21 games, it's like, come on now, boys, this, this stuff's got starting to get ridiculous. And I can't even say we're better than anyone in the league anymore. We literally are dead last worst team in the league with the worst power play. We have the most goals allowed in the Western Conference and the second most in the entire NHL. And we have the league's worst goal differential. We have reached the dark ages, folks. Well, I I shouldn't really say ages, though, because this being bad thing, I really, for right now, I don't think it's going to last too long with all the defensive prospects we have coming up, but this is some tough hockey I sadly have to watch three to four times a week right now. It's really putting a damper on my mood, and it's making the wintertime more depressing than it already is. I'm not even excited to come home and watch the game with the boys anymore, because I don't know when the next damn win's going to come. I'm just sick of seeing the same thing over and over again and repeating myself and I just want to talk about something different. I want I want us to just put together a full 60-minute game, come together and look like a <laughs> look like a team for just one game, put a solid win together and they couldn't do it in either of these last 3 games. Back to the Anaheim game. It was a frustrating one. Looking at the Hawks goals now, they battled back from down two nothing. Gustafson slapped a one-timer home, something that we have not seen him do Too much in his career so far, which is fire that one-timer, the Blackhawks really picked up the pace in the second half of this game, and without a doubt, they were the better team in the last 30 minutes. Duncan Keith used the fake slap pass to send it over to Gus for the 1-T. Let me tell you, the Duncan Keith (laughs) fake slap pass has fooled no one this year. The dude has zero goals, and I swear to God, every shot he shoots gets blocked, but somehow this one worked here, and it was a beautiful pass to give the offense some confidence, and we saw the Hawks jump on the Ducks after this, and they were actually able to tie it up with just 27.7 seconds left before the end of the second period when Jonathan Tays made a great hustle play, two-on-two into the zone to tap a loose puck over to Brinkett. Brinkett knocks the puck out of midair and puts it into the net so quickly for his 11th goal of the season. The Blackhawks really had their opportunities in this one, uh, but were unable to take advantage of the chances but while the Ducks did, Anaheim really got some luck. The Blackhawks had four posts in this game. Brandon Saad, of course, had one of those, which was even more annoying considering all the circumstances coming into the game, how much the offense has struggled, all the losing. Hawks could have had six goals, but instead they got two. Andre Kasha scored early in the third. As I said, it was a tough goal, but really Brandon Manning was caught way out of position to allow Kasha a ridiculous amount of open ice down the right wing, and he buried it up over Crawford's shoulder. Don't even want to get into Manning that much yet because he has some more plays coming up that I'm going to break down, but the takeaway from this game was Blackhawks uh, did not finish their flurry of chances they had all night. The power play was 0 for 3. Uh, we didn't capitalize, and they they did. That simple. It just was not the Hawks' night on this one. Unlucky hitting the post, but they had to put their head down and battle back tough game in Vegas the next night, and it did not go well again in the first period. The back end of the back-to-back. Riley Smith scored a power play goal a minute and a half into the game as once again our boy Brandon Manning. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. If you go back and look at this goal, Manning's up at the blue line where the forward defends, especially on the penalty kill. He has absolutely no reason being caught up that high. And this is the for sure third time I've noticed Brandon Manning on the penalty kill giving the opposition numbers in front of his goalie. When you're already down 5-on-4, you cannot avoid to take yourself out of the play, and Manning did that against Vegas he also did it on the Elias Lindholm goal on December 2nd versus Calgary. If you want to go back and look at that goal, he literally does the same exact thing he did here. And then way back earlier in the season when the Blackhawks played the Blues, Braden Shen had to turn over and scored his second goal. Of the game to tied up at 2-2, and Manning was caught way out of position, caught up way too high on the penalty kill again. And these are just the type of plays you cannot have. Brandon Manning continues to make them cannot possibly continue to be in the lineup every night as he is a minus 13 in 25 games which is one goal two assists just 22 shots on goal this season in 25 games so it's clearly not looking like a fit so far I know some growing pains coming into a new system but it's just like every night he continuously makes bad plays and it kind of sucks because he's paired with Seabrook who really hasn't looked all that good either so That's kind of a disaster pairing, no matter where you're putting Brandon Manning. But I cannot wait till Gustav Forsling gets back, and we can sit both Ruda and Manning. And most likely, Ruda will probably be cleared for waivers. I would like to think Manning has that two-year contract. Ruda just has the one. Um. But yes, Brandon Manning continues to just not be a fit for this team. We gotta, we gotta, (laughs) it. Get rid of him. Get rid of his contract if it's possible. Take anything that they can get, like they said. I don't like the sounds of that. It's probably not going to be anything significant if we do get rid of him, but it's just not looking good early, and we cannot afford to be playing that kind of defense every night. And then uh, shortly after, Smith making it one nothing, Just six minutes later, Derek Anglund made it 2 nothing. His first goal of the season, we saw a visibly upset Corey Crawford slamming his stick to the ground after that goal and I feel for Corey but probably not even close to what he feels but I could imagine having to face 35 plus shots at night during a two-month losing skid but the Blackhawks battled for Corey Thursday night against Vegas Jonathan Tate scores 13th of the season from a bad angle after a nice John Hayden forecheck and then later on in the period, Dylan Strom struck for his seventh of the year and third as a Chicago Blackhawk. This one also came from a bad angle after Patrick Kane missed the net on a shot. The bad luck that cost the Hawks just 24 hours prior ended up kind of being on their side for at least one period as the Hawks scored two fortunate goals, although they were applying a lot of pressure in the second once again after going down 2 nothing for the second time in two nights. This time, the Hawks took their first lead in forever as Artem Anisimov continued his red-hot play by creating a turnover and pulling to his backhand, beating Marc-Andre Fleury. His sixth goal of the season, Anisimov almost jumped through the glass as I almost jumped high enough for my head to go through the ceiling as I thought the Hawks had finally gotten over the hump. I thought this was was it. This was the lead we're going to hold on to. Come back, 3-2, we finally have a lead. We got to hold on. Oh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> what came next was some of the toughest 12 seconds in a hockey game I've ever had to watch. Just 41 seconds after Artem Anisimov took the lead for the Blackhawks, Jonathan Marchessault walks into the zone after a great pass by Riley Smith and goes upstairs to tie it at 3-3. And 12 seconds after Marchessault does that, Alex Tuck sealed the deal for the Vegas Golden Knights by completely deflating the Chicago Blackhawks and all the Blackhawks fans around the world. None of it would have been possible without Brent Seabrook, though. This play really sums up Brent Seabrook's season. If you go back and look at this play, Seabrook takes a faceoff from center ice, walks it back into our defensive zone instead of dumping it into the offensive zone, whiffs on an easy forehand pass, which is... The second time he's done that in four games, he had a terrible turnover against Nashville. And then continues to get walked by Alex Tuck, fails to back-check back Tuck, and gets bodied out of position. Tuck puts home the rebound to score the game winner. How bad has Brent Seabrook been lately? And, oh, man, it kills me to say. But let me tell you, he's minus 7 on the season now, minus 5 in his past three games. And this is the one that stood out to me really really it stood out to me a lot. Uh, he has had a positive plus-minus just once in his last 15 games. And this guy has to play 20 minutes a night. That's bad news, Bears. Brent Rook is the definition of a liability right now. He's a fifth, sixth D-man at best, and he's playing 20-plus minutes a night. Thank God Connor Murphy returned Sunday night against Montreal. Uh, He didn't really give Sieves rest in that game because they were easing Murphy back in the lineup. Murphy only played 16 minutes, but he's going to be a 20-minute defender, I assure as well, to take some minutes off of those top guys. Uh, Unfortunately, Murphy's return has to come, while Gustav Forsling is currently out with that shoulder injury. He is only day-to-day, though, so we're not really sure when he's going to return, but it could be uh, any day now. But while he is out, that means Brandon Manning or Jan Ruta still have to play. (laughs) Gustav Forsling is considered day-to-day. So the interesting uh, roster move will be made once he returns. The likely move is for Alexander Fortin to go back to Rockford. But with eight defensemen for the Hawks with Murphy and Forsling, I am not so sure. We'll just have to wait and see what happens until uh, Gustav Forsling is able to come back. So Connor Murphy returned Sunday for Chicago at home against Montreal, and unfortunately that led to no changes. And we saw the same first period as we always do. The Hawks allowed the first goal of the game for the 10th straight time and went down 2-0 for the third straight game. Two goals in a minute 30 came as no surprise, it seems. Once the Blackhawks allow one, they're bound to allow a second shortly after. Uh, Top guys for Montreal, Max Domi and Shea Weber, struck early. The Hawks were able to score the game's third and fourth goals for the third straight game in a row, though, as Patrick Kane scored both of them. His first came on the power play with under a minute left in the first, and it was the Blackhawks' second power play goal since November 18th. That's almost a month ago. And their first actual goal from the setup in God knows how long. Patrick Kane did uh, what all Blackhawks fans scream while the Hawks were on the power play. Shoot! <laughs> Every night, Blackhawks need to start putting the puck on that more with screens. Kane snapped off that beautiful wrister that beat Price. Price was not able to see the shot because of the great screen from John Hayden. And Hayden received some power play time in this one. And it should not come as a surprise because he has really been slotted up and down all four lines all season long. But he has been noticeable of late. He's made some nice plays uh, on the top line against Anaheim. He created that turnover, that forced to the Taze goal that cut the uh Ducks lead to two to one. And then he had that great screen on price to give the Hawks a power play goal they needed oh so badly. So the Blackhawks finally scored on the power play to cut the Canadians lead in half after 20 minutes. And then Kane struck again on a one-timer from a great pass from Dominic Cahoon on a set face-off play. The Hawks looked like a real hockey team here scoring a goal after some puck possession on the power play and scoring off a set play. A play actually worked for the Blackhawks. It's a Christmas miracle. Cahoon, he's been playing well. He has not been racking up the points much of lately, but his play has been right of late. He is a solid defensive second and third line winger who also is good with the puck. Although he has just one goal and two assists in his past eight games, he has plus three over those eight games, which is significant because the Blackhawks have lost seven of those. So Cahoon has has been a consistent two-way forward for the Blackhawks. And he's shown that he has solid puck possession skills and offensive vision this season. I would not mind Cahoon continuing to play on the second line with Patrick Kane as he is tonight with David Kampf. Kane had eight shots on goal Sunday, so obviously something was working for that line. The Blackhawks once again took 20 minutes to get going. But were really the better team the final 40 minutes of this game except in that dreaded goal scoring department and in the special teams. The Hawks won 60% of the face-offs on the night, outshot Montreal 39-28, but the power play was one for eight on the night. Yes, that's right. One for eight. Tomas Tata took three penalties in this game. The Canadiens killed all of those. The Blackhawks had four power plays in the third period after dominating all third they got a stupid amount of power play chances, including a double minor, and they still failed to get the job done. Just when he thought it couldn't get any more frustrating, after dominating the shots on goal department in the third period, getting a dumb amount of chances, the Canadiens score with less than 80 seconds left in the game as Tatar redirects a Jeff Petrie shot, and the Hawks go down 3-2. They pulled their goalie, tried to tie it up, But unfortunately, just like that, it's 7 in a row, 9 of 10, 18 of 21. It happens just like that. The Blackhawks continue to let games slip out of their hands and are going downhill full speed with no breaks right now. And there is some uh, for real, for real cause for concern with this upcoming schedule. Listen to the Blackhawks' next seven games. They have tonight at Winnipeg then they have Pittsburgh, then they have Winnipeg again, then San Jose, then Nashville, then Dallas, then Colorado. So it does not get any easier anytime soon. In fact, it actually gets harder. The Blackhawks have another back-to-back coming up starting tonight in Winnipeg and then one tomorrow night at home against the Penguins. Looking now at the game tonight in Winnipeg, you know it's going to be a tough one to win in that environment. Blackhawks lost 6-5 to in Winnipeg two weeks ago, and the Jets are 10-4-2 on home ice this season. The Jets currently have the 3rd best power play and the ninth best penalty kill coming into this game. And the power play was 1-3 for three last minute as Laine struck for the power play goal. So the Blackhawks, they've had some serious road problems with a 4-11-2 record on the road so far. Fortunately, the Hawks have a lot of home games coming up, but recently it hasn't really mattered where they've played. They're one of three teams with double-digit regulation losses on the road already this season. It hasn't been good for the Hawks on the road, and they have another tough task at hand tonight. Stop this losing madness in Winnipeg. We tried that two weeks ago, but I guess we're, we'll are we go and give it another shot here tonight. The obvious keys to the game, everyone knows it now. The coaches know it. Everybody knows it. The players know it. you got to score the first goal of the game. It's been nearly a month, and that's just stupid. You know everybody knows. Everybody's aware of it. It has to be the narrative in the locker room. Let's play with the lead in the first period for once, boys. We've had a lead for a whopping 41 seconds in in December. Think about that. We're already two weeks into this month, and the obvious is the special teams. The kill has been better of late, but untimely goals has the Blackhawks' penalty kill still tied for 29th in the league. And then the power play, of course, which is now 2-for-24 during the seven-game losing streak, dead last in the NHL by a full 2%. The Blackhawks' power play is now at 11.6%, 11 power play goals out of 100 opportunities. Considering that we have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Alex Debrinkit, and Brandon Saad, that is a joke. The LA Kings have a better power play than we do. So, the Hawks have some bad special teams. I just talked about the Jets. They have good special teams as well, and so do the Penguins tomorrow night. Blackhawks need to get back to their meat and potatoes on the power play, shooting the puck with traffic in front of the net. I expect John Hayden to continue to get power play time. Artem Anisimov, unfortunately, is in concussion protocol as he did not make the trip to Winnipeg tonight. I have to take time right now to apologize to Artem Anisimov because right when I started chewing out Anisimov for how bad he has been this season, he has been fantastic of late. Artem Anisimov, in his last uh, 10 games he's got four goals two assists he's a plus three and he's got 29 shots on goal so he's been really effective as of late uh, but unfortunately he's not going to play tonight we need to get him back in in front of the net on the power play because lately he has the hot hand so it seems like ever since I started chewing him out he has flipped the switch and turned it on uh, of course we said about Cahoon another significant statistic for Anisimov is the plus 3 rating because the Blackhawks have lost 9 of those 10 games where he's a plus 3 and so he has not been the problem for this team, he's been producing offensively as of late and John Hayden like uh, Dominic Cahoon, you may not have the production numbers you would like to see right now but if you watch the games, he is noticeable he's going to the front of the net on the power play, he's getting to the gritty areas he's causing turnovers He does have no shots since past two games, but yet he has played his highest and his third highest ice times of the season in those two games. It's because Hayden is willing to go and pay a price to do what we need to do more often. He's getting to the front of that, parking his ass there, and he's causing havoc. He created turnovers in Anaheim that led to the big Jonathan Tate's goal, and he's doing the right things, and I like seeing that from a guy with size, speed, and smarts. So, Hayden's going to at least start this game tonight against Winnipeg on the top line with Brandon Sodden, Jonathan Tays, and I like that opportunity for him. Uh, Perlini did not take advantage of his opportunity there, and John Hayden right now looks like he is doing that. The net front presence is so crucial for this Blackhawks team that's not willing to go to the slot too often. So if you're going to be shooting the puck from the blue line, you need someone standing in front of that, and the Hawks don't do enough of that, and Hayden's not afraid to go there. John Hayden scored the last time we were in Winnipeg, so let's see if he will be able to do that again tonight. The depth scoring was on fire that night in Winnipeg, and hopefully all four lines will come to play again tonight. The defense, uh, well, there is not much you can expect from this group anymore, even with Connor Murphy back, even with Connor Murphy back. Uh, At practice, we saw Manning and Ruta skating on that third line, so we're going to have to wait and see who will be scratched, but one of them has to play with fours again, and we know that means trouble. Besides the first period, the defense has not been as bad of late. They will get a tough test again tonight in a high-powered Jets offense with the third-best power play. They put up six goals on them last time. Nikolai Ehlers had a hat trick, and Patrick Laine had two. And the Winnipeg Jets scored in the first two minutes of each period, the Blackhawks did not have Henry Yokiharu that night. The Blackhawks, while I was thinking they were going to start Corey Crawford tonight in Winnipeg and start Cam Ward tomorrow, they're actually flipping that, and Cam Ward is going to start tonight in Winnipeg. Corey Crawford kind of struggled last time he played here. Not really his fault, but he allowed uh, allowed six goals, 27-33. to 33. Uh, Connor Hellebuck's expected to start... For the Jets tonight, he was twenty. Uh, he had twenty six saves on thirty one attempts last time he played. So the Blackhawks were able to have some success on him. Hopefully, Blackhawks do not allow another six goals tonight. Crawford uh, or Cam Ward, I mean, has been very good of late, and uh, Blackhawks need a big goaltending performance against a tough, tough offense and a power play that can strike at any time. So. Blackhawks already at nine, seventeen, and five with tough matchups. Like things can go continue to go south here. They they are really in a tough span, seven games in a row, nine of ten, the worst uh record in the entire league, and they have enough they have a rough stretch coming up against some of the best the NHL has to offer. Uh I might have made a mistake by naming the last episode of the podcast rock bottom because this can get even worse with this tough schedule i had luckily there are some home games mixed in there but blackhawks really haven't had success anywhere so before we go uh let you go before the game starts tonight i don't want to end this podcast on a sad way because the blackhawks continue to lose the end of last episode was really sad and i hated it Uh, So before we go, I'm going to give a little bit of a Blackhawks prospect update to give some hopes of what we have in the future. So looking at the Blackhawks' top prospect, Adam Boquist. Adam Boquist is clearly the top prospect for the Blackhawks as he somehow almost made the team uh, as a 17-year-old, barely being 18 now, took a little bit of time to get it going for the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League, but he has been killing it as of late. After just one goal in his first 15 games, he has eight goals and three assists in his past seven games as a defenseman. He now has 24 points in 22 games, so the Blackhawks' most recent first-round pick has been showing his offensive talents in the Ontario Hockey League and looks like he can have some serious speed and vision at an NHL level, which could likely be next season. Boquist would give the Hawks some speed from the blue line that they need so badly. We have such a slow defensive core and a right-handed shot that could point, man, the power play. Those are two of the biggest weaknesses that the Chicago Blackhawks currently have. Looking at the Blackhawks' uh, second best prospect, Nicholas Bodan. Bodan was the second defenseman the Hawks took in the first round last draft after Boquist. Uh, he's also a shorter, speedy defenseman with offense to his game. He is a lefty. Through 21 games for Drummondville of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, he has 5 goals and 20 assists in 21 games. He's currently on an 8-game point streak as well, with 13 points during the streak. This is Baudin's third year in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and could be making the jump to the NHL or Rockford next year along with Adam Bukvist. Nicholas Baudin's looked really good. Uh, he's in his third year in that league, and he's produced every year. He's been there for Drummondville. Hopefully, uh, he'll have a good prospect camp, continue to produce through the season. And who knows? Maybe we could see him with the team next year. Uh, Rockford Stint would likely be uh, in his future before making the team. But, you know, with this defense, who knows? And looking at another defenseman, Ian Mitchell, a 2017 second-round pick by the Chicago Blackhawks. Mitchell is another defensive prospect with a ton of offensive potential. He's in his second year of college hockey at the University of Denver, and he has two goals and nine assists in the first 14 games of the season. He scored just two goals in 41 games all of last season, so it's nice to see him having two goals early on. He scored a beautiful one-timer from the blue line for Denver's power play a couple weeks ago. I retweeted those highlights, uh, made me crave over that powerful right-handed shot that we need really badly. Mitchell and Boquist are without a doubt slotted to be the right-handed defensemen of the future. Mitchell's shot in offensive awareness could land him uh, in Rockford or for the Blackhawks, could be for both at next season. He's also just 19 years old, so a lot of young defensive talent coming up for Chicago. So that's why I say it really might not be the dark ages. There you have it. The Blackhawks' top three pl- prospects are all playing well for their respective teams. They're all young studs. They're 19 and 18. And with the Blackhawks struggling, it's good to see that the future Blackhawk blue liners are, you know, really showing their talents at their respected levels. <clears throat> Hopefully they continue to improve their games And while we all know they have the offensive upside, we need them to also be solid defensive zone defenders one day. They are the future of this blue line and this team, and they still are really young, but they are crucial to the shape of this team for five, ten years down the road. I'm excited that next year there is that possibility that all three of these guys could be at the NHL level at some point. So, see, it's not all negative, Blackhawks fans. While the defense may be the worst in the league right now, it will not and it will not be in years to come. We still may be more blessed than we know. Most franchises take a few years at the bottom to rebuild themselves as contenders. We saw that this Blackhawks team can win games earlier this season, while that was a long time ago. I still believe that if we have a decent defense, we could be near 500 competing for a playoff spot. I really think we could be back to where we want next season. Even if the defense just improves a little bit, I think we can have a team good enough to compete for a playoff spot. I'm not saying Stanley Cup contenders, but a competitive lineup, which we are currently not seeing. Hopefully, things go better the next two nights uh, tonight in Winnipeg tomorrow back at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are both going to be tough games, that's for sure, so we'll just have to wait and see if the losing streak ends as usual. Hopefully... The Blackhawks are able to get some great play from their top guys that they've gotten from late. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze have both been awesome. Kane has two goals and five assists, uh, seven points in the seven-game losing streak with 23 shots on goal. So he's given it his all with, you know, pretty much creating every offensive opportunity the Hawks get. Jonathan Taze has two goals and two assists and 14 shots over the seven-game losing streak, but his effort has clearly been there and hopefully uh, these guys can continue to play well and hopefully will come in a win on the road tonight against Winnipeg I think that's about all I have for this episode of Talking Hockey thank you to everyone listening as always I appreciate it so much and hopefully the Blackhawks hopefully can get back to their winning ways I want the losing streak to end tonight at 7 18 of 21 just sounds disgusting so, uh, I really want a win so we can have some better conversation and not have to talk about defensive zone breakdowns from guys night in, night out. So, make sure to follow the Twitter account at TalkHockey for all Blackhawks news and live tweeting of every Blackhawks game. Please follow the account, guys. You will not be disappointed. Thank you again, everyone. It has been a lot of fun. We will be bringing you another episode this Thursday or Friday after this Back-to-back for the Chicago Blackhawks. So make sure to stay tuned. Until next time, make our defense great again. Peace.